welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and today our guest is Chris Dimmick, the CEO of Alation, a company devoted to developing well-being apps using artificial intelligence and digital coaching. Welcome. Thanks, Tom. Welcome. And thanks, Chris, for being on the show. Um, Chris has an unusual story that I'm actually going to try to listen to myself. I don't, I know Chris quite well. We've worked together quite a bit the last couple of years, but I don't know a lot about his background. And I will let Chris introduce himself, but I met Chris about two years ago through a mutual friend, and he is the founder of a company called Elation. And he and I are developing an app together, which is designed to create a very streamlined process through the healing of chronic pain. And I just want Chris to give us some background to what he did, um, how he jumped into this new world, which is not an easy world to jump into. And I don't think I've seen anybody as committed and motivated in Chris in a long time. So Chris, welcome. And thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Well, thanks very much, David. Yes, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah, my journey began quite a long time ago. Um, my father was a research scientist. Uh, so I grew up in a household filled with scientific inquiry and a love for learning. Um, I actually really uh, hit my stride in college uh, in developmental psychology because I was just fascinated with how people grow and develop and learn and personalities form. Um, and then as I got into graduate school, I extended that into uh, an interest in organizational development, uh, organizational behavior and how groups of people operate. Um, but I also was very cognizant of uh, needing to get a career in which I could pay the bills and I had an aptitude for computers. So I started in uh, as a software engineer and a software engineering manager in my early days. So I ended up uh, eventually a digital equipment corporation where they were kind enough to put me through artificial intelligence training school. Uh, so I learned a lot about AI way back in the 1980s and it just really all came together in this passion for how do you use technologies to actually improve human well-being and how do you use technologies to help people uh, organize and get things done more effectively so i spent uh you know a, a career working in uh, higher education and then i worked for large businesses companies like fidelity investments and, and at uh, digital equipment corporation and then my wife and I decided we wanted to try our hand at uh, entrepreneurship. So we started an early internet service provider, uh, spent a number of years building that into a full service telecommunications company and sold it. Uh, and that really, uh, you know, was, was uh, uh, an interesting time for me because I had the opportunity to retire young and really think about what I wanted to do. And uh, I just got this itch that said, you know, you've never really completed this journey of connecting technologies and human well-being and performance together. And so we started this company called Elation back in 2012 um, with this idea that we could help people fundamentally shift their mindset to take stronger agency in their own life and as a result, get better outcomes on a consistent basis. And we spend a number of years working on developing a methodology to do that. Um, and we were quite successful at creating that methodology with the idea that we would then 
move that from face-to-face uh, -face work with uh, trained coaches and facilitators and start moving that onto a technology app uh, that embraces an AI algorithm. And so, you know, the, the interesting thing was that when you and I connected, David, it was because we observed that the work we were doing around mindset shift was, you know, an 85, 90% overlap with the work that you were doing in your workshops on chronic pain. And that's, you know, the thing that really inspired us to want to get to know you better and, and uh, see if we could help with the work you're doing. Yeah, no, it's been a remarkable meeting of concepts and, and matching of ideas and vision. It's been really exciting for me too. And I'm as probably technology as challenged as you are technology expert. So it's been good that way. And I tend to be more of a concept guy, just can barely open my computer. But anyway, so Chris, can you, you I know you worked in the physician, the technology you developed was for physician resilience originally, correct? That's where your coaching has been? Yeah, we, we started with sort of general uh, application of it in businesses, and we've worked with executive teams in a lot of different companies. Um, but the question always was, you know, where is the burning platform? You know, where can we apply the work that we do that has the most value? And uh, we have a number of people working in the organization that have been senior leaders within healthcare over the years. And, you know, obviously the, the whole uh, physician burnout, uh, clinician burnout space uh, is a is an evolving national catastrophe, right? I mean, if you have physicians at about 50% uh, burnout rate, uh, according to the symptoms defined by the WHO, nurses, I believe, are at about 48%. Um, you know, just at a time when the baby boomers are demanding more and more healthcare services, and with the pivot into value-based payment, uh, you know, the the financial constraints on healthcare are getting tighter. You know, there's, there's a major problem here. And, and one of the ways we thought we could help is if we can help physicians get back to the joy of practicing medicine, that we could at least do a little bit to help, you know, mitigate that, that potential disaster. And how did you happen to get interested in physician burnout specifically? I mean, that's a very unique niche. And of course, been one of my passions for many years. And by the way, the burnout rate is about 50%. But I define burnout is, do you think, is it thank God it's Monday or thank God it's Friday. And so I think I would guesstimate the physician burnout rate is more like 80% if you define it that way. And as yeah. far as deep enthusiasm for what we do, it's just not there anymore. And factors that lead to enjoyment include creativity and autonomy and hard work is not a problem. Physicians work hard, but with medicine, with being hard, with physicians being hired by systems and then being accountable to the systems, we've lost our autonomy. <clears throat> We're in so much paperwork, we've lost our creativity. And then the most ironic thing about physician burnout is that the one thing that keeps physicians really energized is talking to the patient. Right. And what happens right now in the business of medicine has actually taken that away. So I actually started a project about taking back medicine, which involved two parts of it. One of them was actually paying for physicians to talk to the patients. The other part was the physician resilience part, which I think you um, dealt with. And you've had some success with that, right? You've worked in several systems and done some research. Yeah, we've had tremendous success. I mean, as you were indicating, uh, physician well-being um, is really a both-and issue. There is a, a contributing uh, component to burnout, which is the onus placed on the physician by the system within which they work. 
Um, so, you know, the, the EMR requirements, the uh, volume of patients that they need to see, uh, all of that stuff creates a level of stress and anxiety for physicians. And as you said, they are prone to work hard. Uh, and so typically the answer to the financial woes of a healthcare system is, well, let's work the physicians harder because they're the ones who create all the revenue generation downstream for us. And then, there, of course, there's another aspect of burnout, which is a physician's own mindset. Um, you know, whether you feel uh, that you are a victim of the system or if you have agency in the system is really a reflection of how you think about yourself in relationship to that system. And so you can't address one without the other and expect a positive outcome. So we really talk about this as physician-informed organizational resilience because you have to work on the entire thing at once. Um, and we've had wonderful success. We've done uh, consistently pre and post studies around the work we do in healthcare systems. Um, and we have every, every cohort we've worked with, we've shown a statistically significant improvement in well being. And when we do interviews a year later, uh, the physicians will talk about how that has been a sustainable improvement because it really was a shift in their personal thinking about themselves, their relationship with their colleagues, their relationship with the administration, their relationship with their patients. And so, you know, it's been very gratifying. And as you and I have discussed, it really is a reflection of the fact that the underlying stress and anxiety um, that that is fundamental to chronic pain is also fundamental to physician and, and clinician burnout. And so we're working on the same problem. Right. I mean, I will say bluntly that the number one thing that actually burns physicians out is anxiety. And anxiety is not psychological. As you and I both know, it's a inflammatory process and anxiety is the response to a stress it's not the cause and we're not taught to process it so physicians are work super hard and we're also perfectionists we're very self-critical so we're criticized by our mentors our peers and ourselves and there's no end point to it so when you're self-critical you're always anxious and for me personally that's what made me successful quote successful i went to one of the top spine fellowships in the world but that negative energy that took me to the quote top took me right down the other side. And I think most of my listeners know about the burnout that I went through. Uh, I also have 19 medical colleagues dead from suicide. I was almost number 20. Um, the suicide rate for male physicians is about twice the national average. For female physicians, it's four times as high. There's just a recent suicide at UC San Francisco here. I've been asked to be involved a little bit with that. And the problem is it keeps happening and people keep talking about it, but nothing changes. So I'm impressed that you actually stepped up and actually are doing something about it. So I'm curious as far as just encapsulating your approach or as you approach a group of physicians or a physician, what's the general offering to them? What, what are you trying to teach them? Sure. Sure. Well, one of the things that we want to let people know is that the difficulty in addressing uh, physician resilience, physician well-being, is that it's a complexity science issue, right? Physicians obviously are masters of the linear science of medicine. And so you look at a group of symptoms, you make your diagnosis, you propose a course of treatment, you observe the treatment and whether it's working or not. And that is the same kind of science that allows you to put a rocket on the moon. You can do things repetitively, you can learn from them, and you can make improvements that are inherent to that whole process. The problem with physician well-being is it is a complexity science issue. My analogy is that algebra and fractal geometry are both math, but they are applied to very different problem sets. And so 
one of the things that we, we help address with the physician groups that we work with is that you're applying the wrong approach to address this and that you need to look at complexity science as a fundamental backdrop to the work that we do. And so we, we have essentially a, a model where we do a pretest and a post-test. We use an assessment tool that looks at 68 subdrivers of human performance. They look at physiological drivers like nutrition and sleep-wake cycles and, and uh, movement and exercise. But we also look at capacity for creativity, capacity for innovation, self-governance, uh, and underlying resilience measures. Uh, so we do those pre and post. And then we have uh, group facilitation work that we do uh, with these cohorts of physicians or intact care teams. Um, and in those, we sort of introduce the constructs around mindset and how your mind operates in, in terms of your view of yourself and your relationship to the world. And then each of the physicians gets eight individual executive coaching sessions with a mindset trained coach to help them do their own personal sense making. Uh, as I said, this is a both and issue. You need to work on bringing the physicians together to address some of the structural issues within the organization uh, so that they have a stronger sense of agency and you have to have them feeling engaged enough to give a damn, quite frankly, right? Uh, and feel like they are actually contributing. And that has been a very successful model for us. We, we have physicians telling us that it was an incredibly powerful 90-day experience for them. They've shared it with their colleagues. You know, the results of it are they have better relationships with colleagues in administration. They have, uh, you know, a, a better sense of being present for their patients. Uh, they watch their HCAP scores go up. They get to go home on time. Say, what, 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 which, H, which, which HCAP mean? Uh, the HCAP is the, the patient review of the, the uh, uh, medical interaction with the healthcare system. And that actually is tied to the reimbursement rate uh, for the healthcare system. So the, the fact that HCAP scores go up actually means that reimbursement uh, to the healthcare system goes up. And that's one of the, the actual monetary reasons why a healthcare system should invest in this kind of work. There's a couple things you said I want to point out. One of them is you pointed out the physicians are trained in a linear manner. And as I was, as was I, I was trained as a surgeon. I felt surgery was that one step that was definitive, that was solve back pain. I spent eight years being an enthusiastic surgeon. Seattle had nine times the rate of spine fusions per capita for back pain as any place in the entire country. I was a zealot. I was all over this stuff. Then the data came out in 1993 that the success rate for a back fusion for back pain was 23%. So I stopped. I thought it was over 90%, but there was no data. But what happens, physicians do get trained in a very linear manner. And you know, the solution for chronic pain is, is that you address every aspect at the same time. And because it's complex, the only person that consulted is actually the patient. So you brought out a really interesting point that I had not heard before is that patients, I mean, physicians are trained in a linear manner. Chronic pain is a complex problem. And then it was through Fisher Claw, and I think Carlos, you're one of your closest allies, it's about the complexity theory, right? Right, yes. And I don't, you know, I never quite read up on that. I want to go back, come to that, come back to that in a second. But the bottom line is chronic pain is complex. There's many factors that affect a person's perception of pain. Because what happens outside circumstances actually affect your body chemistry, change the function of everything, including the sensitivity of your nervous system. And until you address the whole person in a complex manner, the random simplistic treatments simply don't work. 
So I'm curious as to your thoughts, just briefly on complexity theory, your view of physicians, their learning, your training, because right now only 20% of physicians are comfortable treating chronic pain, less than 1% enjoy it, but we're trained with the wrong model. And when Fisher, this friend of mine, told me about the complexity theory, uh, an entire world opened up. I mean, my paradigm about how I approach pain changed dramatically. So I'm curious with your math background and internet background, et cetera, tell us about this complexity theory a little bit. Well, you know, the, the easy analogy is, you know, as I said, linear science puts rockets in space and on the moon. Uh, complexity theory governs how you raise a teenager, right? I mean, it always intrigued me. We've been raising teenagers for millions of years, and yet we've not mastered it, right? So right. Uh, the issue is that, that a, a young person is a highly complex thing. Uh, no two are alike. You as a parent are highly complex. No parent, two parents are alike. And you're dealing with so many variables that are so dynamic that the idea that you can do a thing to make your teenager turn out well is just ludicrous. I mean, you, it doesn't work. And so this idea of, of complexity science is that everything is, in, is connected to everything else. And so the question really becomes, how do you tease out the handful of factors that have the most impact on all the other factors? And that's actually one of the reasons why we like this particular diagnostic tool that we use, because it does look at 68 subdrivers of performance, but it will then tell you that these three are the three you should work on first because they in turn will influence the others in a more productive way. And as a consequence, you get more return on your investment in time and energy focusing in these particular areas. So it is, and, and as you, you think about it, obviously a physician working in a complex organization like a healthcare system is exactly the same problem. Um, you know, this healthcare system has a lot of pressures that it's trying to deal with. Um, you know, the things that make a physician's life ideal probably do not make running a healthcare system ideal because you know a physician would like more time with patients maybe, more ability to do testing, uh, a longer elapsed time to be involved. And yet obviously there's a financial pressures that say we can't sustain the system if we do all of that. And so it is the inherent set of constraints created by this complexity that you have to kind of weed through. And then eventually you need to find the things at the system level that are sort of those, those pivotal points and the things that for the individual. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, you look at large scale programs to address physician well-being. I mean, they tend to be workshop based, you know, small group conversation based and stuff, but they are sort of peanut butter approaches to well-being. And I would assert that, that these, the answer to addressing physician burnout or improving well-being is very unique to the physician in the context of their healthcare system. The symptoms may look the same across physician burnout, but the causes are very unique to that physician in that system. And so if you try to address it with a broad programmatic 12-step, you know, courseware solution, it just, it isn't going to work. It's not going to be sustainable. You know, I've not heard you talk about this before. This is very, very interesting to me because let me tell you the paradigm shift that I heard after you talked to Fisher about the complexity theory. We'll talk about the DOC project. And, and the DOC project stands for Direct Your Own Care. And of course, chronic pain is complex, just like raising a teenager or be part of a big system. And you're right, it's not logical to think that one treatment is going to solve a problem. And in medicine, we are linear. We tend to throw random, simplistic solutions at a complex problem. What happened after I talked to Frisch about the complexity theorem theory was really profound for me. 
And my visual was picturing a jet airplane light, which is incredibly bright landing light. You look into that light, you can't see anything. But each light's a little bit different. There's a different spectrum. And what the doc project is, it's a framework. That's the framework, it's the same framework, and it breaks this light into a spectrum. And on the other side of the spectrum, each person's gonna be different. So the light, each person's a different light. The prism is the same. And then the spectrum on the other side of this prism is gonna be different for everybody. The parts of solving pain is you become aware of the problem and aware of the variables that are affecting your pain. Second thing is you have to address every aspect simultaneously. Every person has three to five major factors that affect their pain. And by just doing mindfulness meditation, that helps. Not gonna solve the problem. Same thing with what we call expressive writing, that helps, not gonna solve the problem. So it's understanding that it's this whole set of combinations together that are gonna solve the problem. So everything works a little bit in chronic pain, but nothing works in isolation, similar to what you just described. Then the final part, since each person is totally unique, that the only person that can solve the problem, of course, is that person. So I think what we're saying the same thing is that you can do a workshop and give people the intellectual knowledge, but you have to give people tools to actually create the change they need to change in themselves. Am I hearing you correctly on that? Absolutely. And I mean, I think, you know, the, the sort of intuitive thing is, you know, I have lower back pain, and so I must go fix my lower back. Correct. Right. And the problem that we, we have is that we don't recognize the fact that the experience of the pain is in our brain, not in the lower back, because our body is wired to have the pain localized in the lower back, right? And so one of the things you have to step away from is the misconception that fixing the lower back fixes the chronic pain. Right. No, is I'm excited about this. Maybe that's why we ended up in the same side of the fence here. But um, so a couple things. This uh, we're going to talk in the second interview about what we're actually doing together right now. But Chris, can you introduce really briefly in a minute just what we are up to and what we're working on and what we want to present to the world? Uh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, because we've got such a strong intersection of the work that we do, we had developed an app uh, designed as a digital coaching app. Uh, that we were were working on developing for physician well-being, but um, you know we were struggling with the fact that the sheer volume of content that we need to put into the app to address physician well-being was a very daunting task. So as we came together, we started to realize that because addressing chronic pain is a narrower uh, aspect of this entire broader mindset work that we do we could actually tackle the chronic pain work much more easily in our app than we could do sort of this, this big project. So we've kind of uh, re-pivoted our resources to working together on the Doc Journey app, which is going to be released this fall uh, as a mobile app on iOS and Android devices. Um, what we're doing is really leveraging the fact that technologies are exceedingly good at things. So they are good at uh, obviously providing easy access to information, and hence we can provide easy access to exercises and content, uh, because basically you have a, a pain specialist in your pocket, so to speak, uh, when you're carrying your device around with you. Uh, it uses a conversational interface, so uh, there is a, a coach voice uh, associated with this uh, called Finn, uh, who guides you through the process of addressing your chronic pain. Um, it really takes a very different approach. So it is not an approach about, you know, how do you improve the, the flex in your joints and things like that. It is really about how do you 
refocus your mind away from the things that reinforce that pain and into things that, that give you joy in life. And so it's a radically different approach than any other app that I've seen out there, which is one of the reasons why we're so excited about it. Uh, the beauty of how we're designing the app is that over time, uh, we will be able to then integrate to other things like uh, your, your wearable device so that we can keep a track on your heart rate variability and other kinds of things that correlate to your stress level. And that way, you know, we are very true to the science. We want to look at the science that allows us to observe improvements in your reduced chronic pain and be able to correlate that with the work that we're doing with you in a way that we can start to iteratively improve the product over time. So the initial release will have the coaching aspect. It will have a news feed that provides kind of up-to-date information. Uh, and it'll have a toolbox full of all sorts of tools and exercises that you can use. I'm excited about it. <clears throat> I mean, I've watched well over 1,500 patients get better, and that's a conservative guess. And most people in the world just don't see people get better at the rate we're seeing them. And I think you've been exposed to this the last year and are seeing the stories. Yeah. And I always have a little sense of disbelief that this person went from 20 years of pain to pain-free in a matter of months. And it's a combination of being aware of the problem and taking control. And the biggest obstacle so between, is between the book and the current website that people have gotten better. This is a much, much better of the website. And so I would say people have gotten better in spite of the website being sort of overwhelming, but they still manage to get through it. But I'm excited about the concepts being so clearly presented in a way you can go, because the question I always get asked, well, what do I do next? Right. And that's the question that gets answered with this app. So Chris, thank you very much for this interview. I just learned a lot myself, even though I thought I knew you pretty well. And uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I'd like to thank our guest, Chris Dimmick, for being on the show today and for sharing his insights about how artificial intelligence and digital coaching can be applied to solve problems in healthcare. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website, thedocjourney.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.